these earthlings? You have discovered the podcast, Why Are UFOs Top Secret? With expert Bob Bria. Welcome, Podbean listeners and other listeners out there on Spotify. We will soon be on. <laughs> we'll soon be on Apple and uh, iHeartRadio as well. This is the inaugural episode. We're very excited to be here today to talk about this important topic, where there seems to be a lot of public interest um, about aliens, unidentified flying objects, and. We're here to tell the truth. That's the most important thing right there. We wonder if you can handle the truth. (laughs) Well, to each his own, uh, the truth can be defined in a lot of different ways. And I think that's one of the very important reasons we're doing this show. My name is Rob. And And my name is Rob. (laughs) we're, We're a couple of Robs here. But... I'm not the expert. I'm the average guy that's interested in this topic and knows enough to to ask a few questions, and that's about it. But there's a really good friend of mine in the, here, and it's his studio, actually. He invited me here to help him put this together at my suggestion because um, I could tell he, he, he went really, really deep every time we would talk about the subject. And... I'm sitting here looking at something like, what, 90 books, 100 books on the topic here, 400 books. <laughs> okay, I hope the ex-wife is not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my great pleasure to introduce my good buddy and um, really an expert in the field because of all of the intellect and fortitude and elbow grease that he put into researching, traveling, and searching for the truth, right? So it's with great honor that I introduce our expert about UFOs, Mr. Bob Bria. How are you, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) Oh, that's a good sign. It's a very good sign. So without further ado... I'd like to start off with a little bit of uh, just a background, since this is the first episode. This is going to be a weekly podcast, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. So please like us, share us, and come back and see us. But I'd like to to go into, uh, Bob, I'd like to go into your background. What is it that inspired you to just, I mean, how did you first get involved in this search for the truth? Well, I started with a book. And the book was very interesting because it sort of, how would you say, opened my mind to the possibility that we may not be alone in this universe. 
I was sort of like uh, taking it kind of as a joke that we could we could be visited and not know about it. So did it just kind of strike you as um, an, almost a novelty at first? Yeah, and this was this was about fifty years ago. So I started reading and getting books that I thought was you know interesting. I came across a, a fellow investigator. His name is Stanton Friedman, and he is my 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 uh, how would you say uh, mentor? Kind my of. mentor, yeah. Because right. this guy used to be a nuclear physicist, and he and he became involved in the subject when he read a book by a military man named Captain Rupert, and the book was an eye opener for him, and it also was his first book, and it was probably my second book. And after I read it, I was convinced that something something is being seen by pilots. And this was way back in the 40s during a war. Enemies and allies were both reporting these objects mm -hmm. flying around while we were dropping bombs and <laughs> the enemy was dropping bombs. So, so this was a full book on that topic on the or it was with the pilot accounts in it yes the actual pilot accounts i wound up joining a uh, an organization that was completely surrounded by spies and they were part of the, the organization so they uh, they kept track of what was being accumulated and hmm. the people that would would reveal they would reveal like uh an incident they had, and then this this uh, book would sort of like clarify it. So I started to get an, uh, a feeling that there was too many ups and downs with the subject. Uh, does anybody uh, in the group that was listening to us are they uh, a little familiar with the uh, the information on this subject? Because there's a lot of information. And to separate the actual signal from the noise kind of gets difficult because of uh, the secrecy on this subject. And it's deliberate. The biggest subject of our lifetime is being held. And so you kind of decided that pretty early on, like after just looking into it a little bit, would you say yeah. it, was, it, was, it was in those first things that you looked into that you were really struck with struck the pilots struck reports so what's really convinced me i i joined this organization and they compiled a list of all the pilots around the world from twa american airlines yeah, the commercial all the commercial airlines okay so so at first it was the military and it was probably easier to keep it covert Mm -hmm. And then it was commercial pilots then, as, as that industry really exploded in the, in the 50s and 60s, we traveled more and more. There was more, more sightings. Uh, they weren't really reported in real time, though, right? We found this out later. Well, they weren't restricted from talking about it in the beginning until uh, 
1954. But prior to that, they were a little more open. That's why the the compilation of pilots' reports added up. And they all said basically the same thing, that, that the pilots that were reporting these sightings off the coast of California in the last couple of years were the same kind of reports that were going on in the 40s. So, so the way that the way that the pilots described the incident, yes, was very similar. Quick, quick movements, right okay. to left. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I would say that there are those who would say, well, maybe it's um, because the, the 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 people of today read the old reports. But I personally have have had a sighting myself, so I have to say uh, it was not. It de- it definitely struck me as being something <laughs> not of this world. Most people are are familiar with the Roswell story. They may know uh, a little bit about it, or they may know a lot. I have speculated that because this story hit the front pages of the newspaper in New Mexico when this crash occurred that it wasn't going to be uh, promoted. It was immediately turned into a weather balloon, conveniently, mm-hmm. and they stuck with this weather balloon story until people <laughs> accepted it. I mean, I think, I think that one's been used. Uh, they used that one up, the weather balloon excuse. Yeah. Um, but it worked for a while. And the, the fact that this, this craft came down in a military location, the town of Roswell was associated with the 509th military base, which was working on the atomic bomb. So, so the, the people so- of Roswell respected the military's opinion that this was a national security issue and that they should not talk about it. <laughs> right. Well, um, so when we first started this episode, we, we said, you know, the truth was, was what, what you're seeking. You, that's what's really driving this is you, is this seeking out the truth. And, it's not always going to be so obvious. And I just want to point out what you're saying is that the government's um, efforts to block the information is meaningful. Yes. You know, why else would they be going through all that effort to, to, to block things or to keep things? It's like, so so in 1954, was it or in the fifties that they, they told pilots they could no longer, report sightings. They were not allowed or they would lose their license. There was an, there was a directive from the air force that all pilots would not discuss this subject. Uh, They had paperwork to fill out that would be turned over to uh, U.S. intelligence back in the, uh, in the fifties. But the, uh, 
the reason that it had turned top secret when it should have been front page newspaper was because the military realized that there was something deadly behind this uh, this visit. This was not, how would you say, a, a, a friendly visit. The whole, the whole visit seems to have occurred when we started detonating atomic bombs. Right. And, and when you think about it, detonating an atomic bomb from the Earth makes a huge mushroom cloud that could even be visibly seen if, if they had telescopic if other civilizations had the ability to look a little closer in, we certainly can do that and look at other planets and send back pictures of, of Saturn and Mars or wherever and have rovers that get there. So it's, 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 it, it is, um, it's not something you can really can conceal when you're detonating atomic weapons on earth. Right. And we, we were detonating quite a few. It wasn't just one or two. We, until we get the uh, the results we wanted from the uh, detonation, we would keep testing. So the, so the main point here is that when we when the atomic bomb came into being, and we were testing some fifty something tests we did or whatever. Um, that's when sightings of UFOs really shot up. Exactly. Right. And the location of the first atomic blast was Trinity site which is very a, a very famous location. It happens to be very close to where the Roswell crash took place. And is it a military base in well? New Mexico? The 509th was the only atomic bomb squadron in the in the country. Mm -hmm. This is where the Enola Gay flew from. Mm -hmm. So, during the preparations for the, the flight of the Enola Gay, the secrecy around everything at this base was top secret. From going to lunch to making a phone call, which they really didn't have phone. Uh, everything was classified, you know, uh, top secret. The, um, the Enola Gay, when it took off from uh, New Mexico, it was followed by these objects. In the book, The Enola Gay, there's mention by the pilots that these objects, they didn't call them UFOs. They didn't call them flying saucers. They didn't know what they were. But when the bomb bay doors opened and dropped the bombs, yeah. these objects stayed in the, in the bomb zone. And that was recorded. Oh, oh, I've seen 
video of that, I think, or maybe not. <laughs> that sounds pretty wild. So, so, so the, the thing, the objects that they saw took on the bomb. Yeah. They, they, they watched it. They watched the detonation. Oh, the site. I see what you're yeah. saying. I see what you're saying. And the site. And then we dropped another one on Nagasaki, mm -hmm. uh, which also had these objects keeping in a close watch. Okay, so so you were all in at this point once you found these things out. <laughs> once I found these things out, I realized that th this is really amazing, really. So the pilot accounts, are, they are, uh, if anybody uh, out there has a chance, just search it out, search it out online. There's a lot there, you, you have, they might be a little buried in the first couple of pages of YouTube, but look for them. There's some very interesting uh, recordings out there. I'm going to play our little uh, entrance music here because it has some of the pilot counts in it. And we're going to take a real short break and be right back. But check this out. resident expert Bob Bria. So back to what I was saying before, when I started to realize that there could be something to this and it could actually be true, I started reading and collecting information. Uh, it wasn't until about 1987 that I came across a book called above top secret hmm. and in the back of that book the author printed a bunch of documents that had come across his uh, his face and uh he published them in the book in a way where they weren't uh, verified they were speculation mm -hmm. so i i when i read it it made the hair on my arm stand up, which many things don't do. And when that happened, I sort of, uh, I sort of realized that this could be a true document. And the, uh, right. This, and uh, the fact that this document was um, controversial, the government had uh, made statements that it was fake, it was propaganda, it was baloney. But uh, contrary to what they say, I say it's real. And it's been verified in the last 20 years. Many, many investigators have looked at it and realized that this is the real thing. Well, you know what? I think we live in, 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 a, in the time right now where the truth 
has to be sensed in so many different ways by, in other words, uh, to your point earlier about the government really putting forth so much effort in blocking the truth or blocking information or telling pilots they're not allowed to talk. Um, it, it in itself kind of points to the possibility of a real conspiracy. Major conspiracy. Uh, let me just uh, lay out some uh, facts. In uh, 1947, in July, when this craft came down, the military had an operation to retrieve all the pieces of this craft. Uh, a, a letter was signed by President Truman stating that um, there has to be a, a close investigation onto this topic. And it was given a, spe a special code name, a special classification, and um, it launched two months later the development of the CIA, the National Security Act, and the Army Air Corps was re reformed into the United States Air Force. This so, was all before the end of 1947. So and that's I, really, that's a lot of stuff that, that, that happened on, on Truman's watch right there. It was like a dump of things that happened. Yeah. And the it, CIA and was created, the National Security Act, and the National Security Council. Which is part of the National <laughs> Security Act. Yeah. But the Army Air Corps was reformed into the United States Air Force which gave it a different uh, plateau. Um, as a result of that, the uh, consequences of this uh, document that was released in conjunction with the letter from Truman, it stated the reasons and the uh, implications for national security way back then, 1947. Two years later, when the, uh, the administration was changing hands to be turned over to Eisenhower, this briefing was set up to inform Eisenhower of this, uh, this operation, which was now known, which is now known as Majestic 12. This is a group of 12 individuals from the cream of the crop in the military and the government, from admirals to doctors to scientists to, to uh, all the right people to handle this uh, topic. It, it, was, uh, it was classified uh, as a, um, a, a problem, how would you say, to uh, the... Uh, they didn't want anybody to know about it because they wanted to back engineer this, this object before anybody else got their hands on uh, a craft too. Because these craft were flying around not only in the United States, but they were flying around in Russia too, which were also dabbling in nuclear power. Are you trying to blame it on the, all of the Russians here? <laughs> no, but... The, <laughs> No, but they they became a, a, a part of the uh, equation. Yeah. Let me back you up for a second because you, you you're saying that um, 
it's a very significant time, the handover between Truman and Eisenhower, because that is, I mean, Truman got in and within a couple of months also launched uh, the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And then he created the National Security Act, CIA, oh, creating the CIA. I mean, that's humongous. So how he hands over the presidency to Eisenhower, I just want to kind of back you up because you just went through that. And, and I'm just kind of like, whoa, that's like a really pivotal moment, isn't it? <laughs> Very pivotal. The fact that, that Eisenhower was briefed on it because he was coming into uh, the election time and and they knew his uh, his his uh, his polling was going to put him into office they prepared a a briefing document for him to Before update him even elected yeah to update him on the uh on this particular incident and the uh, and the group uh, that was formed eisenhower wanted to be fully informed which he was and um when I when I got this uh, document, I uh, I talk about all the time the Majestic Twelve document. It has a uh, a follow up document which I find is even more amazing, and it's called the uh, Special Operations Manual. S O M. S O M, which goes into deep detail deep detail about the uh, consequences of revealing this to the public total press blackout phony press releases was set up and people were taken into uh, uh into uh, how would you say uh, uh underground uh, <laughs> no they were taken <laughs> into uh, what do you call a um I can't find the word right now. (laughs) Um, Let me just take a break for a second. Hold on. (laughs) Sure. We'll be right back with Bob Bria. Don't go anywhere. And please ask some questions in the live chat. If you'd like to uh, be a part of our live chat, check us out on Podbean. top secret with expert Bob Bria. One would wonder why a subject like this would not be welcomed by the American public. Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, we wouldn't know what the agenda would be for these creatures. Would it be destructive? Would it be peaceful? Would it be just curiosity. 
So as I collected books and information and read more and more about sightings and where they took place, I happened to notice that there was a lot of interest in nuclear power plants, nuclear silos, where nuclear weapons were being kept. So I remember coming across um, a story about a military uh, Minuteman operation in uh, the uh, northwest of the United States. And um, one of the... uh, one of the military operators at the base that uh, was watching these uh, controls and kept an eye on these uh, nuclear weapons and if they should be uh, put into uh, a launch mode or they should just stay in the position that they are. There was an incident one particular weekend where these objects were being sighted over the military missile bases. And, um, they actually shut down the military uh, computers, if they were computers back then. Several times, right? Several, yeah. All, all of the missiles were, dis, were disabled. <laughs> and then they put them back on, and then they did it again and again. No. Or just no. different occasions. No, they, they, were all, they were all disabled. Mm-hmm. So that went to the Pentagon. Once the Pentagon realized that these things were interested in, in our nuclear weapons they began to get even more concerned. Yeah, because you don't know if they, it could be, they could still be good intentions or, or bad intentions. So then what happened is a Russian military base had the same kind of in- incident. But in this case, the missiles were turned on in a ready, in a launch, in a launch uh, preparation. This was frightening. The, uh, Consequences resulted in a uh, a special phone line that was developed between the White House and Moscow called the hotline mm-hmm. so that there could be instant communication between the White House and Moscow just in case they launched seeing these objects coming across their, their territory and not thinking that uh, they were intercontinental ballistic missiles. We wanted to keep the Russians informed as to what the movements would be of these objects so that they would be able to distinguish between a a missile launch and these objects being uh, misinterpreted as as missiles. An accidental false flag. So an an accidental (laughs) nuclear war could be started just on these objects being... uh, Mis, uh, misinformed. That was one of their concerns. Very big concern. Um, now, th- mm-hmm. this this uh, also dives into John Kennedy. Yeah, I don't want to get into I that. Have, I have a question. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, you can enter our live chat uh, at Podbean uh, UFOs Top Secret. You can look for us there. Um, you can ask questions live, and you can also email us at, at uh, UFOs Top Secret at ProtonMail.com. I got one question in, uh, and it was about that, so I was about to stop you, because the question is, do you think JFK was murdered because of what he knew about UFOs? And that is from Mr. Uh, Jordan B. 
It's a uh, theory that's been floating around for years. It's been given a lot of juice by researchers. And the, uh, the, re the results of it seems to indicate that Kennedy didn't like the secrecy about this subject. He wanted the public to be informed openly. And um, the very fact that um, his assassination took place in the state of Texas, which is a very conservative state, I would say, um, there's a lot of fingers that point to um, Kennedy not liking this uh, subject to be kept from the Russians. He wanted the Russians to know exactly what... What, 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 what do you read into that? Like, I've heard that before. Now, I, I'm just, what do you think about... What, how does that... What do you think he was thinking? That, that we had something we should share with, with the world kind of thing? Or was it just that we should all be on the lookout and work together to protect the Earth? Well, both. He wanted the world to know that uh, we were being visited by an interplanetary uh, uh, an interplanetary uh, group. He didn't know what they were up to. But um, to go back to the Roosevelt uh, era, which was wartime, Roosevelt was informed of these objects too. So he passed it on to Truman, and then he, he, for, uh, he of course, died, and Truman took over. But yeah, Truman was in charge of so many things, he had to make a decision on what to do about this new weapon that we developed. And uh, the conclusions from the military was that we would need to, you know, use it to, to protect more American lives from being lost. I got another question for you here. Okay, this one is from Cat James, and it says, "Did you know what can you tell? You know, did you know about and what can you tell me about the um, the film that was recently discovered that showed the M twelve documents? The film that was discovered. There's some film that was dropped off um, that proved that had the, some that that have the SOM on it." Is that what had the SOM on it? The film that was dropped off anonymously? No, that's the MJ-12 document. Right, that that's, was, what, that's that was, what the question was about. Yeah, that film was uh, leaked, like uh, these WikiLeaks that have occurred in the uh, 80s and 90s. Like a whistleblower. A uh, whistleblower. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to uh, establish who, who in uh, the upper echelon of the government could have uh, release this uh, document because of its importance. Uh, when, when, a, when a subject becomes classified top secret, very few people are in on it. Only on a need-to-know basis is the information shared. Um, Especially if it's in the name of national security. So they're right. just going to use that across the board because that makes it nice mm -hmm. and clean. When the National Security Act was, was signed and, and put into uh, effect, it, it covered all, all of this. It, call, it covered all of the uh, reasons that they felt 
had to be put in place to keep this from being taken seriously. So they had to set up a psycho propaganda uh, uh, department. They had to put in um, all kinds of lies and deceitful uh, statements to make the subject be a joke. So the public would take it not seriously. The last thing they wanted anybody to know at that time before they knew what the agenda was for these creatures was the, uh, they didn't want anybody to know about the creatures. It was, it was scary enough to think that a, that a craft was uh, involved in a crash and why would it crash in that location? You know, if they had the power to travel the universe and, and get here, why would they crash when they get to the uh, to the America? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be related to the uh, nuclear uh, developments that were going on. It could be a uh, could be a couple of things that went on that has not been uh, uh, completely answered. And to your point of of, of uh, propaganda, uh, probably probably I mean as old as Hollywood is, we've had Martian movies, we've had a trivialization, if you will, of the little green man with a ray gun and people just can laugh it off them. Yeah, that's that's all done on purpose. Well, I will tell you this. I come from the entertainment business, the entertainment industry, and, and it's a known fact that FBI and uh, agents consult with film producers. Mm-hmm. And you would think, oh, is that just to make sure that they're not revealing anything uh, that's classified? That's what you wouldn't. That's probably what most average person people think. But then you find out there it's they're giving information to be put into these things. Hmm. That's a slightly different slant, if you ask me. Yeah, this is not an easy subject to comprehend in a, in a short period of time. It took me a long, long time to realize that this is the real thing. It's not propaganda. This is the real visit. The MJ-12. The MJ-12 document is the real McCoy. And the follow-up, the Special Operations Manual, which covers press blackouts and recovery and destinations for pieces of the, the craft where they would be taken. You showed me that. That's really incredible. We're gonna, we'll, we'll maybe have to go into that in some more detail in the coming weeks, um, yes, I wanted we to add one thing to the because we, we were talking about this earlier today before the podcast, but it's 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 important to me is the um, the film that it was on the apparatus that captured these 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 uh, JPEGs, if you will, these photos of the Majestic Twelve document mm-hmm. uh, was made in, at, at that time. It comes from the 1950s, so this film was shot way back then it wasn't that someone has this pulled it out from under the bed and took pictures today which to me is significant because i think it could be more easy to fake something but the fact that it was on this old film in an old apparatus to me lends uh lends some credibility to it yeah i mean i when i first read the document like i said it it made it made sense because everything that i had read prior to that 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 uh, that document led led me to think 
that this is a consolidated document of information that covers the whole aspect of the secrecy from from the moment that they from the moment that they realized that this was the real thing happening they had to keep this private because they didn't know enough about what these things were up to whether they were here to destroy us like in the, the movies that you see but uh, during the production of the movie Close Encounters by uh, Steven Spielberg in the, in the 70s, there was a circulating rumor that uh, the production company and Spielberg was uh, visited by members of the intelligence uh, community, and they, they looked over his uh, storyline for the movie. The, the objections that they had led to changing in the script, which led the, uh, the friendly aliens to walk off the, uh, the craft at the end of the film and be holding hands with the, uh, the military people, and they returned all the people that they abducted. This was all done to de-emphasize the real significance of what was really going on, that these objects had the ability... Mm-hmm. to pick people up at their random choosing. And in 1961, the first abduction by aliens was the Barney and Betty Hill story. And it's been given a lot of coverage. It's been given a lot of... Um, a, a, People have thought that it was fake and it was baloney and it was made up and it was just too controversial to be accepted as a, as a real story. But that case gave the United States Air Force a real hard time because it involves a, um, a multiracial couple who was very well respected in the town. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the, 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 the cases that would occur after the Barney and Betty Hill case never reached much attention. In the press. In the press. The, only the Barney and Betty Hill case received the large, large coverage, and they made a movie about it called the, the Interrupted Incident, starring James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons. It was a great, uh, a great uh, film in, in that it, uh, it had two great actors and uh, they really uh, portrayed their parts as close to the, uh, the, tr- the true uh, abduction case that occurred. And um, it, it caused a lot of uh, uh, nightmares, I would just say, for a lot of people because people started to think, well, maybe this is happening. So as years went by, more cases started to show up in, in uh, books that I collected. And uh, some of them never reached uh, the publicity level of the Barney and Betty Hill case. But nevertheless, it still followed a pattern. And that pattern was a simple exam, basically, like, a, like you're going to a doctor. Like a medical exam. Like a medical exam that you a doctor would give you. 
and um, this was this was quite scary too because all these these things led to reasons to keep this in a classified. And let's face it, as as humans, I mean, we all bury our head in the sand in some aspect of our life every day. We just can't take on everything, right? And even for me personally, like I find this a super intriguing uh, topic about UFOs and aliens. But when it comes to these abduction stories, I get the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, it, it would give anybody heebie-jeebies. Just I don't to like think. to think about it too, too, too much. I don't want to hear too many details. <laughs> but uh, I used to be skeptical to a point where I was saying I was 95% sure that, that, that this subject is actually real. And after I started really looking at the SOM manual closely, I must have read it five times, I realized that it's 100% true and that the secrecy level is still continuing. The report that came out about a month ago that was issued by um, our former president was supposed to come out and uh, show uh, the, the whole uh, the whole story about what's going on with this case. But meanwhile, when it was released, it never revealed anything. It just revealed that oh, these are drones. <laughs> these are these are uh, misidentifications of uh, of falling uh, meteors. Isn't that control the narrative though? If you if you if you're actively putting a story out, then you're controlling the narrative. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it, it works because it, it, it has, uh, if you tell a lie a long enough time, people will believe it. And that's just what's going on with this. If they were to come out tomorrow morning and say, we, we lied about this because we, we had no choice. We had to do this. It was a national security decision. And we still are not updated on the uh, true reasons that these creatures are here. But the, um, to me, the obvious reason is these nuclear weapons that we've developed, unfortunately, to kill our fellow human beings. These creatures could be here on a peaceful mission because uh, since they've been watching us since the uh, 40s, they must have uh, decided that um, they have to intervene in some way and uh, try to get us to stop playing with these weaponry. Yeah, that, I, 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 I agree with that. Um, I think there is a definite, um, it's, a, it's a really, really big point, the, the, how many sightings, uh, how many sightings there have been and when they came out and, and it was around the time and the, and the correlation with the nuclear uh, capabilities. Yeah. Um, I would only hope that as a higher intelligence, if, if they're of a higher intelligence, that they that they would be less ignorant to have anything like racism. Uh, uh, I, I would think that we, we haven't detected any atomic bombs being blasted off on any other planets except ours. So hopefully they would be looking out for our best interests. But if they were not, there ain't a damn thing we can do about it anyway. That's right. <laughs> With our technology compared to that technology, it's also uh, kind of uh, coincidental uh, that uh, the topic Majestic 12 was shortened to the word magic. And mm -hmm. they replaced the letter G 
with the letter J, which, which still kept the word at majestic, but it implied that the technology that, that was exposed in the Roswell crash was considered magic. Just like we would consider uh, bringing a, a computer back into I mean, ancient this is the times. 1950s, so this mm -hmm. was the 1950s. I mean, that's 70 years ago. That's when you think technologically 70 years ago. Yeah. We were pretty naive back then. I mean, we, we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have laptop computers and all of that. But comparing their technology to our technology, I, I consider it magic. Uh, to, to achieve uh, the speed of uh, light that would be needed to convert, uh, traverse the uh, universe to get here, it, it's not going to occur with uh, propulsion systems that we use. It's going to take some kind of advanced propulsion system, which leads me back to the uh, back engineering that was occurring after the Roswell crash was I, I want to go into the, some of that stuff next week. What do you say? We, we, we get these documents out and we actually do a little bit of reading from them. The, 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 maybe we just get through the MJ-12 and maybe the next time we do the SOM. Mm -hmm. But I think in the next couple of weeks, let's actually give the listening public some of the actual goods that are in there. Oh, that sounds uh, great. It's, and see how it may, if, if you get that warm, fuzzy feeling like Mr. Bob Bria gets here when you read stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I can I can talk for days on this subject. Because well, that's good. That's why we did this podcast right here. I, I've given lectures around Long Island and different locations on this topic to try to inform the public that uh, this is not a joke. And well, folks, this podcast is here to stay. This band uh, is a tremendous resource. Like a, a, he, uh, he's got, if anyone from his family is listening, I'm sorry to tell you, he's got over 400 books over here on this topic <laughs> and uh, it's spanning um, a lot of years and different writers, different theories, but we're going to stick to the kind of the, the difference between the classified and the non-classified information and, and in the speculation of maybe why the truth is being kept from the public. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's a good thing that it's being kept from us because I mean, without disclosure, we don't know everything they know, but. Well, like I said in the beginning, can you handle the truth? <laughs> it's one thing to hear the truth, but then when you start, when you start to think, well, is it really the truth or are you sending me another bunch of baloney? I'm going to be here to teach you that this is not baloney, that this is the real deal. And this document proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the government knows exactly what's going on. They may not be telling uh, our president that we have right now, but. Well, I got a, I got another question in here at the last minute. So let me, let's say uh, you Thank you, 100 Yard Alchemy. And I also want to thank uh, Mr. Jordan and uh, the other people that were in the Podbean live chat. JB, thank you. And uh, 100 Yard has this question, 100 Yard Alchemy. How would we even react if we knew the answers to every single question we had? Uh, Ignorance well, is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. You may, you may have to turn in next week to hear the uh, answer to <laughs> that because... I'm going to prepare a uh, 
a nice response to that question. Yes, and it's sort of a rhetorical question too. So 100 Yard, thank you for that. That is the point we were making that um, it's, we're not, we're not here to advocate uh, full disclosure or not, and whether that's right or not, but um, we're just curious, like, um, like we think a lot of people are, and, and uh, Mr. Bria here knows a lot more about it than the average person. So I think if you look at what's out there and what's available, it's, it's I mean, we, we wouldn't both be here if we didn't really believe that it, it paints the picture. There's just too many things to be coincidental. So, so we'll be back next week with more Majestic Twelve. Yes, and we will get, we will get you some more truth. Want to thank everybody for being on the, live on the Podbean chat. If you're listening to us on Spotify, we greatly appreciate. This has been our first episode of Why Are UFOs Top Secret? All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you once again. If you if you'd like to email us questions for the next episode, please do proton at ProtonMail. It's uh, UFOs Top Secret at ProtonMail.com. This is Rob and Bob. We out. Yo, yo.